0: the latest news the newest products the biggest names welcome to your tech report online at yourtechreport.com join mitchell whitfield and Marka aflalo for the next hour of your tech report
3: yes indeed welcome to it i am Marka aflalo based in montreal canada mitchell whitfield you are in los angeles how are you this week
1: Uh, You know, it's it's a great week for me because, you know, we have a lot of tech to talk about. I love getting to talk to you every week and talk to our listeners, our audience every week. But it's also the NHL playoffs, so I feel like my days, my nights are kind of consumed with gadgets and hockey, which is really kind of how life should be. I mean, it really is how life, it is how God intended it to be for me. If you want to get in touch with us on
3: Twitter, it's at (laughs) yourtechreport, facebook.com slash yourtechreport. Of course, our email address is contact at yourtechreport.com. So, there is some, there actually is some, I have some relevant tech news towards uh, the hockey front of things. Oh, yeah, let's do this. They they use playoffs as an example or as a a testing ground for some cool technology. And I know someone who's in the operations department of the NHL, and they're testing some pretty cool. uh, Cool new cameras in the nets. So take a look on the on the various TV feeds to see the various angles you can now see uh, on the on the sides of the nets, which is pretty cool. Hey,
1: you, you remember? I mean, since we're already here, since we're already talking about this, you remember when the NHL first put the robotic cameras inside of the net to get that bird's eye view from from inside the net? And and what a groundbreaking technology that was. I, I I almost feel that when it comes to broadcast coverage, and Mark, you've been, you know, you've been covering the NHL for a long time as a producer, and you know, you go down there, you do a lot of you know radio coverage for the NHL. Don't you think I almost feel like technology wise, even though the NHL in in the states, not necessarily Canada, is sort of creeping its way back up. To one of the top tier sports, I always feel like it's been ahead of the curve technology wise than the major sports that get more coverage here in the states. Do you find that's been the case? I do.
3: I think they've also haven't been very scared to to innovate and try to, to try do new different things. things. Exactly. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the cameras I was talking about were crossbar cams. So there's now uh, two crossbar cams per net, <laughs> uh, so uh, they can actually see some more. You know, obviously gold dugging, which is pretty cool. And I mean, there's so much technology in sports these days; you don't even realize it.
1: Well, I will say, having watched uh, this past week, watched the first Ranger game, I will tell you there's a good chance those cameras will be broken very soon because all the Rangers seem to hit are the crossbar. There we go. (laughs) There we go. I just dropped a little ranger hitting the crossbar reference. So, Mark, have you told people, by the way, how they can get in touch with us yet? Because I think I interrupted your You did. You know, I, did. I did. Don't worry. I okay. think they
3: know how to get in touch with us. On okay, Twitter, God. it's at your Facebook.com. Yeah, yeah. So, you know the stuff. The typical stuff, yeah. Drone racing. Now, you know, this is something we talked Woo-hoo! about a couple months ago. Drone racing, <laughs> yes. you know, we, this cool first-person point of view, people wearing these VR goggles and, and racing. It's getting pretty serious because ESPN has announced coverage starting this August for uh, a very cool national drone racing championships, which is taking place. August 5th to 7th on Governor Island in New York City. I love it. This is, I mean, this is pretty cool. This is pretty quick for something uh, to become a sport, really, don't you think? I, I think so, but I mean, you know, as we know, I think that
1: uh, broadcast television is hungry for content, just like a lot of streaming services. You've said this in the past, Mark, that, you know, with there's so much competition, especially in a world in a world where streaming is such a big deal and we're seeing networks pop up, virtual networks. I think people are hungry for new content. And a sport like this, it really is kind of the future. And if you've never seen this, if you've never seen anyone racing, and I think also there's this level of accessibility, because you can get into to the sport yes. for four or five, six hundred bucks, and you can be out there. Although I wouldn't recommend flying these, you know, racing drones unless you're an experienced drone pilot. I think there's that element of accessibility. People think they can get right in. And that first person view mark, and we're gonna talk a little bit about first person, you know, VR. I think we both have had some experience now that we could talk about it. Uh, I think it's really, really cool. And it's something new we've never seen. And the sense of speed, Mark, it's like you're inside an Indy car on steroids that can fly.
3: Oh, yeah. That's the only that's the only way I can really explain it right I, I can't think of any other way to explain it. So this is going to debut this August. It's going to happen on the Watch ESPN app, so you obviously need a subscription, a cable subscription to ESPN to see this. Again, August 5th to 7th, it's the U.S. National Drone Championships happening on Governor Island, New York, and it's a multi-year deal they have with the Drone Racing Association. So expect this to go nowhere but up in terms of, uh, no pun intended, uh, in terms of, in terms of huh? growth. <laughs> uh, where are we at now? Have you been keeping track of the Tesla numbers, the Tesla Model 3? I mean, we're talking about over were three hundred and twenty five thousand pre orders already? They're saying that this is obviously the biggest, the biggest product launch absolutely ever in the world, um, which is pretty cool. And earlier this week, we saw some updates to uh, updates and recalls. By the way, um, the Model X got a recall with one of their back seat issues, and uh, the new Model S got a little bit of a redesign and some uh, extra charging power. I I, I have
1: to tell you something, Mark. And we didn't actually talk about this. I love surprising you on the air because I get to surprise you on the air. There, there, I've done it. Um, I actually had my first test drive of the Model S Tesla. I've never driven one. I've sat in them because as we know, my local mall has a dealership. Should tell you how nice a mall this is, right? So we've talked about this before on the air and I've taken you to that actual location. I actually, my buddy got himself a Tesla and here's a guy. He is not a techie kind of guy. He is not a car, you know, has to have the newest and fanciest. He's not, he's very low key. Uh, not one of these guys that wants to be seen or noticed, but he loved the idea. And here's where here's where it gets people, Mark. People love the fact that ecologically, it's a great thing in terms of carbon footprint, not having to buy gas, not polluting the environment. That's why he got his. Mark, I sat in this car, I hit the I can't call it the gas pedal anymore because there's no freaking gas. So I hit the accelerator. The only thing I can liken it to, do you have do you have any like really uh hardcore amusement parks near you in Montreal? We do. We do have a lot of Okay. Okay. So we have Magic Mountain here, Six Flags Magic Mountain. Yep. Six Flags, as you know, big co- big company throughout North America. Uh, and there are some of these new rides, like Superman the Ride, for example, where it starts you, it pushes you off, starting at eighty miles an hour. So and it uses magnets. It uses these high power magnets to launch you up the hill. It's no longer like being pulled or dropped. No crane. Being launched. Right. So when I was in this Tesla and I hit the accelerator, my head. Plastered back against the the headrest, the closest experience I can say is it's like going on an eighty mile an hour roller coaster that has instant launch. Because and I I started to giggle and maybe I peed a little, but I'm just <laughs> saying. For the most part, I just giggled. We can leave the peeing alone. No, seriously, I was so thrilled by the experience. And mark the technology behind the scenes. The technology the car already has autopilot built into it. It can park itself. Things that they don't even talk about. The technology is off the hook. And mark, I will go on this. Uh, go on, What is you know what what show is this? Uh, we're, this, this premiered. This show, if you're listening to it, you know live, is is going obviously April 16th. If you listen to it a little later, you're hearing it, you know delayed. I will go on record on this episode and say, they will run out of cars. Demand will exceed supply for this car. This the, the, the new three that I'm talking about at thirty five thousand uh, dollars. And people will have a hard time even a year or two after launch getting theirs because there's gonna there's gonna be such a demand. It's gonna change the way people buy cars forever. I will say that right now. I really believe this car launch will be a milestone in the history of auto manufacturing in North America and throughout the world.
3: Wow. And there's going to be a milestone in the in the history of movie making. J.J. Abrams is behind a new technology that's uh, making its way. to only 15 movie theaters have this immersive technology, they're calling it. Immersive cinema is expected to launch with the brand new Star Trek Beyond movie. Mitchell, what Ooh. this is, is imagine your your giant, beautiful screen in front of you whether it be IMAX or whatnot, and add two screens to either side of that, giving you the sense of 270-degree field of view that they can now use in filmmaking. So you can see left and right and see this incredible field of view in 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 cinematic masterpieces.
1: Wait, wait. To put it into more to a more you know working man's perspective. So basically, it's similar. Like you know, sometimes Mark, you'll see if you go to Best Buy or an electronics store, a high end gaming store, where you'll see people gaming on three monitors. There'll be a monitor in front exactly. of them. They'll do it like a like a like a racing sim, right? Exactly. Except it's so that is the same concept, but in a giant movie theater.
3: Exactly. Oh, I want to go see. So J.J. Abrams was uh, presented (laughs) with this technology uh, a while back, and he saw it, and he's like, he's got to jump on board with this thing. Obviously, it's not as widespread, obviously, of things like IMAX and and various technologies like that, but it will be growing, and he is betting that this is going to be the next step in immersive cinema, which is going to be very, 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 very cool. Oh, I really want to see
1: this badly. So, yeah, hopefully it'll make it here.
3: (laughs) Have you ever wondered why your computer crashed? Like, you get that blue screen of death in Windows, and you're like, what did I do? What happened?
1: I wonder about it a lot less with Windows 10, but yes, of course, we've always wondered about that. Well, why does it happen? Why does it
3: happen? You're going to tell me. I'm not going to tell you why it happened, why it happens, oh, okay. but I could tell you that Microsoft is adding a very cool feature. It's going to be implementing QR codes on any error screen. So an error is going to pop up. It's going to say oh. your computer ran into a problem. It's going to give you a QR code you can scan, and you could find out what happened. That is really cool. Yeah, that's ha- actually really cool. Hasn't gone live yet. It's obviously going to come up in uh, updates to Windows 10 uh, down the road, but it's going to explain exactly why your computer crashed, or at least direct you to error, you know, descriptions and uh, and messages to find out exactly what happened.
1: Well, going back to what I said when you first, you know, mentioned this, uh, I have to say, thankfully, I have much less use for something like this since Windows 10 has come about. I find it's a very, very stable release. I think when it was released, it was a stable release. Uh, Required, of course, some patching as all... You know, big big releases do, but I don't have that many issues with uh, anything running, especially the Surface Pro 4. Shameless plug. Um, I I don't have a lot of issues with crashing. Do you? Uh,
3: honestly, Mitchell, I have not had a crash uh, that I can think of on on Windows 10 since I've installed it, and I've been even using betas. So uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to know what what caused a crash when it happens, but uh, right hasn't happened to me. You.
1: It's good. I mean, it's a great, it's a great thing to have the QR code. And I love people are always looking for new ways to use QR codes anyway. I mean, whenever I go to a store or if I go to the mall, I'll scan it just to see what pops up. But here is an actual useful uh, application for QR codes. And hopefully you won't need to use it that often. Sling TV. Have you used Sling TV yet? I have not slung my TV, although I've been aware of the technology for a long time now.
3: Well, obviously, they they launched their subscription television service, which has been limited until recently to to one stream. So you can only use one device to watch that television. Now they're going to be testing a multi-stream service in beta, which allows you to simultaneously stream on three devices. You
1: know what? This is important. Because I don't know if you have the issue. I mean, even with things like Netflix or those kind of services, you're kind of you can be limited sometimes. And you find people in the, in your household
3: want to watch different things. You need to be able to stream to multiple devices, don't you? You do. And they're they're going to be launching this at twenty dollars per month, which is a bit oh. up from their original prices. Um, channels like ABC, FX HBO, Univision have to be added as extras, though, which cost between five and fifteen dollars a month. So you're going to want to take a look up for huh. that one.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes a nickel and dime you. But listen, don't you feel that in, the, in terms of this whole model, this whole model of streaming now where everything is kind of going digital, don't you feel that everyone is still trying to find their place and find a pricing model? Because we haven't really, I think the way we distribute and watch television hasn't really solidified yet. So they're going to be trying different things. And if people, if there's pushback in terms of price, they will adjust because this model is still growing and sort of, you know, changing before our very eyes, wouldn't you say? I, I would
3: tend to agree with that. Thank you. My pleasure. It is your Hello. tech report. Mark Flalo of Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. We've got more news to cover, Mitchell. We've got a very cool uh, first portable wireless dock for Apple devices that's launching on uh, Indiegogo. And uh, we've got a very cool interview with Panasonic talking about all about the digital cameras. And we're going to talk about that Microsoft Surface Pro 4 when we come back right here on Your Tech Report. On Twitter, it's at your yourtechreport, facebook.com, slash report, and of course, contact at yourtechreport.com.
0: There's more Your Tech Report after this now back to
3: your tech report Mark Aflalo in Montreal Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles welcome back to your tech report on Twitter we are at your tech report facebook.com slash your tech report and of course contact at your if you want to get in touch with us more news this week Mitchell more news happened this week the would you like Kindle to tell us Oasis. about this news yet? oh what is this tell the us brand, about Kindle the Oasis. brand new Kindle how, wait how could
1: I not know about this and you know about this we always um, know the same stuff. How could I not know about
3: this? It's a modular e-reader, obviously from Amazon. It's thin. It's long-lasting. It is expensive, is what they were saying. Uh, it gives you 3G cellular connection. Uh, if you want to pay $380, the base price $290. Got that beautiful uh, e-ink display so you can read your books in uh, the way they say that uh, things are meant to. It's a beautiful thin display with a kind of like uh, protruding part in the bottom that has, I guess, all the electronics in it. Um, uh Very cool. Available for pre-sale this past Wednesday, and it'll be shipping to customers on uh, April 27th if you want to get back into that Kindle uh, life.
1: Well, uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out because one of the great things about Kindle has always been uh, performance and price point. You know, Kindle is great because the battery life lasts forever. And, you know, it has that digital ink display that's very low, low power, which lets the battery last a long time. Beautiful display. so. But we've gotten used to those Kindles going for like $70, 80 $90. So I'm trying to figure out what exactly for almost $300. It's brighter, thinner, smaller, 3G or a three G. Okay, so it has built in, which other models have had before. But yeah, this is a pretty expensive Kindle. I'm gonna have to try this because this is uh, this is a little bit expensive for a Kindle. I think people are gonna blink uh, when they hear about the price of this. They're gonna have a little, little flinch.
3: Yeah, I think we need to find out a little bit more about it. It was originally yeah. leaked uh, earlier in the week, and then they kind of made the announcement. I think rather haphazardly on uh, uh, later in the week on Wednesday, and they let people pre-order it. But I think we got to find out what uh, what's more, what's going on here, really. Yeah, we do. A world Health Organization estimates that 1 billion people across the world, Mitchell, live with disabilities. And Google's philanthropy division, Google.org, has pledged $20 million to help improve their situations. It's going to go across 29 programs working on disability technologies. The average amount that each will receive is $750,000, with six of the grant winners getting more than a million, according to Wired Magazine
1: that's fantastic. And you know, don't you, don't you wonder when you hear about these companies and even individuals, people that make an incredible amount of money that they could never possibly use. Don't you like hearing about these acts of philanthropy? Because I, I always feel like if people are making our businesses or people are that successful, it's not just good karma. It's the right thing to do to give back that people that need that help, that need that financial help for research. I mean, it's just, it's important. I'm glad to hear. I like hearing this stuff. I don't care if it's a PR thing. I like hearing about I don't,
3: it. You know what? I think, yes, yeah, Obviously, there's a PR element, which is that you're announcing it. But at the same right. time, it's you're it's, still doing it. They're still doing it. Exactly that. And in the same in the same kind of breath, Google also rolled out a, a beta for its new voice access system, which lets users navigate their phones via voice commands. Something that Apple has had a leg up on pretty much everybody in terms of accessibility features and voiceover on their phone. So right. it's nice to see people spending the time and money to obviously invest and integrate these services because there are a lot of people out there who want to use those devices who have limitations that uh, they can't get over.
1: Exactly. And I know we're going to talk about this either, this show, a little bit of this show, maybe more in the next show. I've been using um, Android devices more, and I'm not going to go into detail because we're going to talk about it later, uh, a little more frequently. And I'm really impressed with how Google has how their operating systems become more accessible because I always felt it was very techy and I'm a tech guy and I always felt Android was a little too techy for me. But I feel like it's become much more accessible, um, much more user-friendly and I think having an open platform like this now that's actually usable by a normal person, it makes me like Android that much more. So I'm kind of getting into it all over again.
3: Well, you might want to play with Android on the the new HTC 10 that is uh, going to be announced. They have announced that the new HTC 10 is going to support natively uh, AirPlay, Apple AirPlay. So you can stream directly to your Apple TV or other AirPlay compatible devices. The uh, HTC 10 is a 5.2 inch screen on this beautiful device, That's quad a quad HD yeah. display, wow, um, all metal. It looks really, really cool. And it's got that nice curved, curved display in the back. I don't know about you, I've been playing with the new, uh, the new Samsung uh, S7, not the Edge, but the the feeling of this phone in my hand is actually quite nice. And this seems to take on a lot of those features as well on the HTC.
1: Yeah, I love it. And I, I think HTC, I mean, kudos to HTC. I think they were way ahead of the curve in terms of uh, Android phone, beautiful industrial design. They've been having that that same sort of polished, uh, or actually the matte metal finish. The heavy, you know the, the nice heft in your hand. I always liked HTC devices, and I think other companies now have sort of caught up in that design ethic. Samsung being one of them. I love I love the fact that they've gone to that sort of unibody, that metal and glass. I mean, love that. Uh, but yeah, HTC with it. I think they started it all in the Android world, and I like that they're still putting out innovative phones. So I'm gonna have to play with one soon.
3: Um, someone sent me an email kind of unsolicited saying, Hey, check out this thing on Kickstarter. It's a thing called the do box. I wanted to bring it up because it's a portable wireless dock designed specifically for Apple devices. So what you do is you connect your iPhone, your iPod or your Mac to the device wirelessly, and it gives you the freedom of full connectivity. Meaning you can use a mouse, you can use a keyboard, you can use, um, uh, external speakers. It's, it's obviously trying to raise money. They've got, uh, 47,000 pounds out of the 60,000 pounds that they are looking for still 16 days to go, a very cool, innovative device that seems to, uh, will work natively out of the box kind of with the Apple devices. It's going to give you external storage, connectivity, it's a Wi-Fi router, it charges your device, it has airplay compatibility, file wow. sharing, a micro SD card reader, and a video player. It's so a very, very Did you give device. a pledge price, by the way? Did you mention what the, the pledge price to get in on it is? Or? Um, they start at 99 pounds, so we're talking about uh, British pounds. So 99 pounds, if you want, it's a super early bird special. There's uh, one left out of the 110 that they have available.
1: How many how many does that does that translate into American dollars in terms of the pound? I don't should I ask Siri right now?
3: I think you should have Siri right okay, now.
1: This is great radio.
3: This is well, you know, Siri makes her.
1: How many dollars is 99 pounds? I can
3: only take that request while you're listening to a song or You know oh, what? Wow. She does really yeah, he, This is really back This is this me. is the problem. You know what? And I I've, I've always had issues with Siri and this is with CarPlay and, and she just does not really know exactly what you're talking about or she's a little premature sometimes when you're asking her questions. Yeah, Give it another no, try. Let, me,
1: let me try one more time. Here we go. How many U.S. dollars is 99 British
3: pounds? Clear. Size to the point. $40.14.
1: 140 Okay,
3: so at 1.4. Thank so you, Siri. It's about time. There you go. So if you want to get into that, it's called the Do Box. Uh Head over to Kickstarter, and you can uh, check that out uh, right there. You know, I was talking about the, the Samsung, and um, one of the things they weren't able to send me, but I went out and, and bought myself, was the Gear VR. So, oh, boy. Now, That's not this is on there. your recommendation. Yeah. Tell, tell yes. me why, because I've, I've this is my first experience ever using any kind of VR.
1: Okay, so people are talking about virtual reality now, now more than ever, because of course the Oculus Rift, that uh, very expensive project that was acquired by Google, uh, the technology that was acquired. Not, I'm sorry, that was acquired by Facebook. Yes. Um, So, uh, everyone is talking about these virtual reality goggles. You put them on, you're immersed into an interactive 3D universe that's 360 degrees around you. And, you know, but when we're talking about 600 for the, you know, Oculus Rift and you need a high end computer to run it because the software is so hardware intensive, we're talking about an expensive investment. Well, Samsung. Uh, actually has a great relationship with the first with the people over at Oculus. Oculus actually helped them design both the headset and mostly the software for the Gear VR which is a VR headset mark, but here's the whole thing. It's only $99 and it's only $99 for a couple of reasons. One because they they really did a great job keeping the cost down in its design. It's beautiful, but you know, they kept the cost down, but also you were able to snap in to these to this headset either your Galaxy S6, S6 Edge, Edge Plus, and Galaxy S7, and S7 Edge. It only works with the 6 and 7 line, the New Gear VR does. It will only work with those, the two lines of phones. So basically, all the hardware from the VR headset is actually contained in your phone. So you snap it into the headset and you're using your phone to, to have the VR experience. I tried one of these the other day. My son Ryan wanted one. He had birthday money. He got it. Mark. When I tell you, and you, 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 you'll be, you'll be able to know now too, because you've experienced it. Was this not the most incredible for $99 and this particular Galaxy S smartphone? Was this not the most incredible VR experience? It's something you would expect to be like a $1,000 technology. You're able to sit in a virtual room and watch Netflix on a simulated 80-inch screen. You're able to go on virtual tours. I did a helicopter tour of New York uh, from the perspective of a helicopter looking down under me to see the water. I got frightened. I got goosebumps. <laughs> Was this not an incredible... But tell me, you experienced it. Was it not an incredible 360-degree immersive VR experience, especially for the money you spend. You
3: never, you never know what to expect. And I put these on for the first time, and again, my first time really experiencing VR in any way, shape, or form. And my kids played with it too. And they have a Jurassic Park experience where you're you're sitting there, and there's you know sound all around you, and there's this dinosaur that kind of walks up to you and stiffs you in the face, and, and 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 various worlds like you can go underwater and play with the sharks, and it's just when you're standing and you just kind of walk and you do the 360 and you look up and you look down and you're like, and you're Oh my god, in this world, I see everything. Right? You feel like you're physically in there. I have video of my kids grasping to try and grab things and walking into furniture. You did they, it too. You tried to grab the remote
1: in your virtual I room, yeah, right? In the virtual Netflix, it's room, like right? you're sitting on a couch, yeah.
3: and it's quite <laughs> funny, and you look at it, it's like, oh, this is the couch, let me lean back, and you lean back, and you're not actually sitting on a couch. <laughs> very, very, very cool experience. I can only imagine what the experience would be like on the Oculus, which obviously requires all that hardware and software to run it.
1: Uh, well, I will tell you, of course, you're going to get slightly better resolution on the Oculus because you're getting uh, more high-end hardware that's dedicated to VR. Of course, you know, with the Gear VR, as great as it is, it is it, and it is great. You're using a device that's designed to be a smartphone. What you're using an Oculus drift, you're using a device that's designed to be a VR headset. That being said, from everything I'm reading and everyone I've talked to, A lot of people prefer the Gear VR for $99, not just because of the price mark, but because, number one, you are not tethered to anything. With the the Oculus Rift and the the soon the PlayStation VR and these other ones, I guess the HTC is at Vive. Um, with all those headsets, you're, you have cables that are coming off it that need to be plugged into a computer. The Gear VR needs nothing but the phone snapped into it, and you are free to walk around. And that is a big selling point for people, not to be tethered to a computer, which kind of takes you out of the experience. But you know what they did with this? Something you've been asking for for a long time and talking about. You can get these virtual tickets to concerts. To I mean, they, they have um, Cirque du Soleil where you could watch Cirque du Soleil. Yes. They have baseball games where you can sit there in the stands and look all around you or be on the field. So it's taking that technology that you've always been asking about and wanting and showing you demos of this. It's only a matter of time before they have this going live where you can attend all these events with a virtual ticket. And the visuals are pretty stunning, even though it's just coming from your cell phone.
3: Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Let's go forward to one other little topic I wanted to cover this week. By the way, this is your tech report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Marco Flalo. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at your tech report, slash your tech report. Of course, contact your tech com. Let's talk about your drone for a second because you've had your Phantom 4 for a couple weeks now. Uh I've had mine for a couple weeks now. Overall, you know, this isn't a, a, a large departure from previous DJI Phantom, you know, quadcopters with the. Difference being, it's it's a bit slimmer. The package is nicer. Um, it's got that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful clip on uh, pops, which I you know I can't. Uh, the thing you that amazes me, Mitchell, because my, I'm losing yeah. my words here, is because <laughs> no, you can you can open the box and be flying with this device within minutes. I think they've done, and this is the whole thing. This drone pretty
1: much has everything you could want as a consumer, as a previously as an experienced drone pilot. Out of the box, you're like you said, Mark. It, it comes with a fifty percent charged battery, both uh, for the quad itself and for the radio. Um, you and here's what I feel. I've been flying drones for a while, so have you. I think, fa- I think there were some compromises right out of the box. It's designed to let anyone fly it. If you're an experienced drone pilot that wants that instant sort of experience of having full control, full throttle, full everything, that's not gonna be with the Phantom 4. It's designed out of the box to be able to be flown by anyone. It has settings that will let you go into sport mode and the, the the handling that you're used to be able to, you know, you're used to having with these quads. So I think out of the box is designed for a mainstream consumer, but if you were an experienced pilot and you take a second and set it up for an experienced pilot, you will ex- have the best flying experience you could possibly have at this price point. The camera mark is brilliant. The software, the new software that lets you run, you know, your iPad, your iPhone, Android device to control the quad and to do these automated shots. Did you do any of the, the tracking mode? I haven't done that of the tracking you?
3: mode. Well, a couple of <laughs> things really caught my caught my eye. I was trying to take some aerial shots of my home, and okay. uh, I was looking through some of the footage that I took. and Obviously, it's a four K camera, and I, I I hopped on a picture, and I thought it was a picture, but then I realized the car was moving. It is so stable. And so incredibly high quality that video looks like still images in many, many cases until you realize something is moving, which blew my mind.
1: And I do like the fact that they moved it in for people that haven't seen the design of it. Yes, it's sleeker. It's got a shiny finish as opposed to a matte finish now. But you know the motorized, the gimbal, and people don't know the gimbal is the thing that hangs off the bottom that you attach the camera to that will make micro adjustments for any sort of movement the quad has to stabilize your images. They moved this motorized gimbal, most of the internal mechanism, actually inside the quad itself. It's no longer exposed like it has been on previous models, which number one is safer. You know, it's less likely to damage the gimbal from any external sort of, you know, contact or knocks. And it also just makes it look like a more streamlined device. So both functionally and visually, moving that gimbal internally makes a big difference, don't you think?
3: Absolutely. And don't forget the obstacle avoidance. Obstacle avoidance oh is God, something. You have you tested that? Yeah. that? Because yes, I absolutely. did. I tried to, I tried to fly you tried the drone to it directly. tried to into a wall, didn't you? No, no. I tried to fly it into myself. And oh, and it slows down. I mean, it gets a good. There's a good braking distance, so to say, so to speak. And it, it warns you and it shows you the whole, you know, the whole range of what you're in uh, near. And it was really, really, really cool experience. Obviously, I've got to you know play with the modes a bit more. You obviously have gone a bit further than I have, but it's a very, very cool experience. And what blew my mind also was in the box itself. I mean, you've got a basically a carrying case built in. You can add two more batteries and and, and transport them. And it's uh, compact. The, It's everything's there. Everything's there that you need, including this beautiful plastic support that holds the camera in place, you know, so when you're transporting, you're not worrying about knocking it. So a very, very cool experience so far. I look forward to playing more with that. You got you really have to try the tracking
1: mode because basically you know it uses you know other other quads use external devices like something you have to hold on your person that the, that the drone can actually track this uses the new camera technology that's built in you know you have the two new sensors here a beautiful camera it uses the camera technology to actually lock on to a person or an object and then just follow them you can use your finger to make a little square or, or in around something and it will follow that yes people are going to say you can run it you can run out of it and you know you can run away from it and, oh, now it's not following me anymore. But that defeats the purpose of what it is. It's only going to get better. And the technology works really well. Love it. $1399 for people that have not flown things like this before is actually a deal for what you're getting because you don't have to put a GoPro or a gimbal. All the software, the hardware, it's already there. It's scalable to your level of experience. I think it's pretty brilliant. And uh, it kind of makes me excited for where the technology is going, the direction it's going.
3: Agreed. It is your tech report. I am Marco Flalo, in Montreal. He has Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Still a great show lined up for you. We're going to speak to Panasonic in just a couple moments, talk about all about their digital camera lineup. They've got some cool innovation. I mean, Panasonic's been doing cameras for a long time, Mitchell. They're still being you know heavily used in the broadcast side. So it makes sense that, of course, on the consumer electronics side, we're seeing their cameras everywhere, especially for those who don't want to carry those luggy uh, DSLRs around.
1: Well, I've been, using, you know, I've been using the Lumix line now for years, and I think it's still one of the best-kept secrets. People don't really realize how great Panasonic imaging has been over the years. A lot of photographers do know the average consumer needs to know about it, too, and they're going to find out more.
3: We are going to speak to Trisha Gillings for Panasonic after we take a quick break. And uh, to wrap up the show this week, we're going to talk about our experience so far with the Microsoft Surface Pro 4. We each have one. We've had them for a couple weeks now. We're going to give you our first impressions uh, to wrap up this week's edition of Your Tech Report. Again, he is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Mark flallow at your tech report on twitter facebook.com slash your tech report and of course contact at your tech trisha gillings from panasonic is on with us next right here on your tech report
0: there's more your tech report after this now back to your tech
3: report Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Mark Aflalo in Montreal. Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles on Twitter. It is at your yourtechreportfacebook.com slash Report, And, of course, our email address is contact at yourtechreport.com. Mitchell, a press release crossed my desk the other day and was from our good friends at Panasonic. They recently announced, announced the latest Lumix camera to their lineup. So rather than us talk about their entire camera lineup, I figured let's reach out and let's get somebody from Panasonic on the line. So on the line with us today is Trisha Gillings, product manager at Panasonic Canada. Trisha, welcome to your first edition of your tech report.
2: Great, thanks for having me.
3: How are you feeling? Are you feeling good about this? I I promise we're not going to hurt you today.
2: Oh no, that's okay. (laughs) I love my cameras and I love talking about them.
3: Well, tell, tell us about obviously the new, obviously the DMC GX85. This is a mirrorless camera. Can you explain to people what is the benefit of a camera being mirrorless?
2: Well, Panasonic was actually the leader in mirrorless technology. We invented it in conjunction with Olympus and we were the first to market with it. So what we did is most of the space in a DSLR is taken up by what's called a mirror, uh, your mirror prism. So we removed that from a camera and we're actually able to make the camera bodies and lenses smaller. So the benefit of that is, is as you all know, we have an aging population. People don't want to carry around bulky gear anymore. They've, they're tired of it. So mirrorless addresses that um, generation. It also addresses a big demographic of people who want smaller and lighter cameras and that's what we've been giving them.
3: So this is obviously, you know, Panasonic has always been on the cutting edge in terms of innovating, but there's there's a history on the broadcast side of things. How does that whole kind of experience on the broadcast communication side lend itself to the the consumer side of cameras?
2: So our background has always been, as you mentioned, broadcast. So we take that video know-how and that expertise that we've been doing for a very long time, and we've integrated it into our cameras. So our cameras are not only high-quality stills, but they're the highest performance video as well. And our GH4, which was the first 4K mirrorless camera on the market um, is very highly regarded. So indie filmmakers, documentary shooters, they're all using GH4 now because of that great video capability.
1: Now, Tricia, Mark Mark, and Mark and I were talking about something beforehand. We even, I think we're going to talk to you about it as well. Mm-hmm. Basically, now we have a situation where everyone is walking around with a smartphone in their pocket, right? Everyone is so proud of the pictures they're able to take with these smartphones. And I think people have started to get away from more traditional cameras. So how important was it to get full DSLR features into a mirrorless compact package that people are willing to carry around in addition to their phones, which they've gotten used to taking pictures with.
2: It is, and there's actually a kind of a, I guess I want to say a lashback these days. People love their phones. They love it for taking pictures. They love the instantaneousness of it. But right. they're also looking for more quality, and especially vloggers, bloggers, anyone who makes their life on the Internet, they want that quality now. So they're starting to realize that, hey, my phone is great, but I need something else. And that's where we're seeing a lot of customers coming in these days as well. And we're making cameras to address that. So almost our entire lineup has Wi-Fi. So you can now instantaneously upload those great photos you took onto all your social media, Um, plus all our video capabilities. So we have a lot of vloggers out there using our cameras um, to shoot their, their daily feeds, and it's been great for us that way.
3: Trisha, 4K is something that is still relatively new to some people. I know a lot of people who hadn't experienced 4K quality until quite recently. How important is that to get into a camera now as opposed to waiting a bit till more people have it?
2: Well, a lot of people say that same thing. Why do I need 4K now? And what you're actually doing is you're future-proofing your work. So you can shoot in 4K now and enjoy all the um, extra aspects that it gives you and then you can still down convert to 1080 but when you do that you're getting that extra resolution that you would not have if you shot full 1080 so for instance if you're shooting 4k you can shoot wide and zoom into your shot up to 200 percent and still get 1080 quality so think about what 200 percent means that's massive
3: that's that's absolutely insane uh, you know when it comes to Cameras and, and phones. People are saying, you know, people go to their, their phones as, as this point and shoot device. And obviously, Panasonic innovating like they do give you a good reason to want to get a Panasonic camera. But there is a history of phones on the Panasonic line as well. And there was something you and I were talking about off air that I wanted to share with our listeners about Panasonic still making phones but taking a different approach.
2: We did. We looked at it from a whole different angle. You know, Apple, Samsung, Sony, they all, what they did is made a great, great cell phone and then added a camera in it. Well, we went at it from a different angle. We made an amazing camera, and we added a cell phone to it. So the CM1 is available in Europe and the U.S., and it's a one-inch sensor in it with a great fast lens on it, and then it's also an Android phone, and it's an unlocked phone, so you can use it with any carrier out there. So it was kind of just our way of innovating, our way of adding the Panasonic um, innovation and twist to it.
3: So what other technologies within the company, because, you know, Panasonic's a giant corporation. You have, you know, from the consumer electronics side, you've got home appliances, Mm -hmm. you've got security, you've got everything from microwave ovens to a fridge. What other technologies within the company do the digital imagery and the photography uh, make its way into that we don't even realize about?
2: Well, we just launched our home monitoring systems last year, which was great because then we took our camera technology and broadcast technology that we are already um, very proficient in, and now made outdoor and indoor cameras for people to use in their homes. So if you don't want to pay those monthly fees to, um, you know, the security company, you can now buy a home monitoring package and do it yourself. So you can monitor your home or cottage from your smartphone um, through our um, technology that we have.
1: Another question I had for you guys is: I I feel that I was on board a long time ago. Uh, one of my earlier point and shoot cameras was a Panasonic camera, mm-hmm. and I was always and and I think there are a lot of people out there that still don't know the history that Panasonic has. You touched on it a little bit mm-hmm. when we started the interview. I mean, Panasonic, you you guys are not a new player when it comes to the camera world. You guys have been doing beautiful and brilliant point-and-shoot cameras for quite some time. Are we going to see you guys continue to expand that lineup? Because that's something I was always hoping Panasonic never got away from, because you guys do it so well.
2: We do, and we every year we're bringing out new point-and-shoot models. We will not give up that business because we do have a very solid customer base. We have something called our Travel Zoom category. And believe it or not, there's dedicated people out there who upgrade every year because these are the perfect accompaniments to them for their vacation trip. We have Leica lenses, we have long zoom, we have um, fast, bright apertures. And now this year, we've actually added 4K video and photo to those point and shoot cameras. So you have a really powerful tool that fits in your pocket now that can accompany you wherever you go.
1: And, and that's, I think that's one of the things I really appreciated about Panasonic. There were a lot of companies out there. There were the Sonys and some and some level of Samsungs. And as their technology advanced, I think the way the cameras operated, it became more complex for the user. The thing I always liked about what you guys yeah. did, as your technology advanced, and I think this is, this is true of all great technology, as your technology advanced, it became simpler for the end user. And I think that's something a lot of companies are losing sight of these days, where as the technology advances, it's supposed to make it easier for the company. Customer, not more complex.
2: No, exactly. And a lot of people are not as tech-savvy as they would like to be, so we've always tried to make our cameras kind of more button-centric than menu-centric, so right. all your functions are easily accessible from a button instead of trying to scroll through huge menus trying to find what you want to do, so you can get to your controls faster and easier.
1: I think that's. I think Mark, Mark, and I are watching each other right now. He's smiling right now because one of our pet peeves is when you're using something. The last thing you want is to be buried in menus. Yeah. Yes. And I think. And I think that's the main, you know, sticking point for a lot of cameras. Where how was your experience? Well, I wouldn't know because I never actually got to snap a picture off. I was too busy trying to frame the size of the image, and it gets me crazy. But yeah. you guys have always been. I mean, point and shoot is exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's not exactly. just a name. It's the way the experience is supposed to be. And I think Panasonic has always been great about that.
2: Oh, definitely. And the beauty of 4K now is that you never miss a shot. So we've made it so easy for you to capture those unexpected moments that there's no excuses anymore.
3: Trisha Gillings, product manager at Panasonic Canada. I want to thank you for joining us. What should people be on the look for, uh, be on the lookout for right now in terms of the top of the line when it comes to Panasonic Lumix cameras? Is it the well, new GX85? We, have, we just
2: released our new Leica 100 to 400 millimeter lens. So for sports photographers for wildlife birders, this is your your go-to lens. This weighs probably 50 pounds less than the competition, and it's very easy for you to carry around. Um, And then the next one we announced, as we mentioned in the beginning of the show, was our GX85, which is going to be a new powerhouse as well for us.
3: Very cool. We, we look forward to getting some hands-on time and obviously sharing that with our listeners. And oh, uh, we appreciate you taking the time.
2: Thanks. It was great chatting with you.
3: Tisha Gillings, Product Manager at Panasonic Canada. I'm Marka Aflalo, Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. When we come back, we dive into the Microsoft Surface Pro 4 to wrap up this week. It's Your Tech Report. Find us online at Your Tech Report on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. And of course, contact at YourTechReport.com.
0: There's more Your Tech Report after this.
3: Now, back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back. Mark Aflalo in Montreal. Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. On Twitter, we are at YourTechReport. Facebook.com slash Report, And of course, contact at YourTechReport.com. And the pages of YourTechReport.com. Mitchell, I wanted to talk about our Surface Pro 4s. Microsoft was kind enough, after a little bit of poking and prodding, to send us each a brand new Surface Pro 4. and And... Yes. and There was a purpose behind this. Obviously, we wanted to really experience Windows 10 and the new apps and new things as they come out on Microsoft hardware. Obviously, there's other companies we could have approached, but we wanted to go to Microsoft specifically because who better to represent their software than, of course, the manufacturer of their hardware? Exactly, the company that
1: makes it. Absolutely. Now, I'm sitting here right now. We both have our Surface Pro 4s in front of us. And um, the first thing that jumps out at me, first of all, obviously, you know, you have the 12.3-inch screen on this, Beautiful, beautiful display. That was really the first thing that caught my eye. Because when you think about a portable device, you're not necessarily thinking, oh, uh, you know, you're thinking about efficiency, doing great work. I think you'll be blown away. And, and, and it's funny because the, the background that I have, the wallpaper I have purposely up, it's, uh, it's an Alienware wallpaper that I have. It's a uh, black and white with the alien look on it, with the alien's face. Uh, the deep blacks, and I think that's something people don't talk about when they talk about monitors or displays. Yeah. They talk about color. They talk about brightness. But representing a true deep black for that contrast, to give you excellent contrast, is an important thing. And I've never seen... A display that has such gorgeous, deep blacks, and that also gives a full spectrum of color representation, and contrast, and clarity. It's a beautiful display. Easy to look at all day.
3: It's funny that you mention the blacks, because I don't even use a wallpaper on the back. I guess this is back to my old Windows days, where I found that wallpapers would use up some graphic power, so you'd, you'd turn off your wallpaper. Not and, if it's black! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not if it's black, because it's not using any pixels. And you don't even realize, it's really hard to tell the screen is even on if you're not really paying attention to areas that are, that are lit. The, the thing you know t- to know about a surface is that you know this is a it's a 2 in 1 device it can be used in tablet mode it can be used with with the type touch keyboard which is is greatly improved over its previous model however the previous this new model can be used with older surfaces which is something that very rarely do manufacturers do this they make their new accessories compatible backward with compatible, their yeah. exactly backward compatible with their older one which was really cool but if you've used a surface before and you've never used a surface pro 4 pay attention to that new type touch keyboard because the trackpad is greatly greatly improved it's it really larger it's glass it. the key, yeah. the typing experience is great and and I now have also a basis of comparison too because I'm using also the the new iPad with the obviously pencil support and the keyboard cover and I find that it's, it's shrunken, you know, you're limited because of that 9.7 screen. It's not that natural to type on, whereas on the Surface, combine that type touch cover and that keyboard with the fact that you really can't control the angle to... Any, any degree that you want, you know, whether it's on a table or whether you want it flat for drawing and however you want it. That is such an incredible advantage that people don't realize when you're using a device like this. Plus the fact that, of course, it's, it's, it's thin and light. It's not as light, of course, as a, just a, a tablet-only device. But don't forget, you're getting, you you're know, getting much more. full processing power in these devices, which is absolutely unheard of.
1: And I think that's something we want to touch on now because the versions that we have are running the i5 processor, 4 gigs of RAM, 128 gigabytes of flash storage. Now, this is obviously not the most powerful model that they make, and we didn't want them. You know, truth be told, we didn't want them to send us the most powerful device because the average – I know. But, I mean, I think think it works better for our reviews because not everyone is going to be able to afford the -the top-of-the-line model. We like to be able to try the models that the average person will be able to afford. And even the way it is now, it's still close to, I think, like $900. It's not an inexpensive. Expensive device, But what do you get in return? This i5 running on four gigs of RAM, and I repeat, four gigs of RAM. It runs so fast. Yeah. You know you know me. You know what I like to do. I like to immediately download World of Warcraft. In this case, I, I downloaded Diablo 3 onto my Surface Pro 4. It plays beautifully. It looks so good, Mark. The graphics, there's no lag. I'm really impressed. I think we both talked about this. I think we both said when we first got it, could you imagine what an i7 with eight gigs of RAM would fly, like I mean, with I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I can't throw anything at this right now that'll slow it down within reason. Let's, uh, hey, listen,
3: no, 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 wait. Let's talk about that for a second because I have tried this. Okay. I have I've installed the entire Adobe suite. So if you're not familiar with oh. that, that's Illustrator, Photoshop, Audition, Adobe Premiere, Media Encoder. So doing full full video editing, audio editing on it, along with different plugins. So what? what here's my goal. My goal when I was when I'm testing this thing is to say, okay, I want to be able to leave the house with one device other than my phone obviously and I did this on a recent trip to New York where I saw you I brought only my Surface and it it forced me to do all my everyday tasks on the Surface versus obviously an iPad or my MacBook etc etc and I'm talking about audio production and things I need to have access to on the road remote desktop capabilities and I was able to do absolutely everything and I have yet to be able to bog this down and I'm saying running (laughs) all these suites I've tried to run all the programs at the same time the biggest question I get from people is okay. That's great, but what about you know? I use my iPad for media and I watch media and I have all my stuff on iTunes and and how am I going to watch that? Why can't that? you do that on this? Why couldn't
1: well, you do it on this? And system I, system? I,
3: you have to remind people that this is a computer. Sure. You can go download iTunes, connect it to your iCloud photo library, connect it to all the stuff you get in iTunes. You can do that. It is a full computer, and at the same time, you can do things that you weren't able to on other computers. For example. I can open a Word document, take my little pen, and I can go and note it. I can highlight things with touch that you could not do if you had a traditional PC and it was in front of you. So all these little things, you come together and you realize that this is not a tablet that can be used as a desktop. This is a desktop that can be used as a tablet.
1: Absolutely. And I haven't I, been sort of, I, I have been using it uh, to the extent that you have in terms of my day-to-day production stuff, the production stuff that you would do normally on your computer. I have not been doing that. I've been using it more casually. But I have to tell you, uh, for a lot of people that do use their computers casually, you mentioned the experience of having your media. Why not? It's a computer you can download. But let's not forget what, what Microsoft has done. And again, this is a big, you know, sort of feather in their cap. Making universal apps so that you don't have to go online to see to do Netflix you just open up the Netflix app because a lot of people, they do wanna be able to watch Netflix or Hulu. And let's not forget, they make specific apps that translate beautifully to the desktop the same way they would on a mobile device as for, as your phone, for example. So uh, having these universal apps does give you the same feeling as being able to use, you know just click one button to open up that app. It's not like you have to use on a traditional computer where you might have to go to, in previous versions of Windows or other operating systems, you have to go to the web and download the web version No, it still has these universal apps that work beautifully. So Multimedia Mark has actually been working nicely for me. You said to me, hey – download the stuff that you normally would use on your Mac to the surface, you know, to the surface and see what happens, and you're right, the experience is pretty seamless, and I've been very very happy, but still, I have to mention, blown away by the power and capabilities, and the gorgeous display, and I I only feel like I've only scratched the surface of what it can do.
3: Well, you gotta, you gotta try something out, because they released, they recently released the new preview version of the next build, so they call this the Insider Preview Build, which anybody can access. You can go to your updates in Windows 10, and you can you can opt in to getting preview builds. Obviously, do so with caution because it could break things along the road. Um, but the latest preview build, which is you know previewing what's coming this summer in an update, brings some really cool features and really enhances Cortana. Like she's a good personal assistant. And again, you know it's hard switching platforms if you're if you're a Mac user and you and you you want to switch or you want to experience it. I find cutting the cord and doing it really just kind of overnight is the best way to do it because you force yourself into situations and realize that a lot of things you were doing were habit as opposed to you know things that you just obviously couldn't do so things like skype preview i mean you can now experience on the surface And i've been playing with that very very cool very, very cool enhancements a lot of enhancements to the, like, the notification center and the action center have you been using your surface more more touch or more keyboard more connect laptop you like
1: uh, a little bit of both, yeah a little bit of both. I think sometimes I'm so blown away by how it works as a computer. I forget about the physical interaction you can have the touch screen is a huge, huge advantage because sometimes I don't want to mess with the keyboard. Sometimes you know I do if I'm searching for something. sometimes I want to have that uh, the hands- on experience. and I, I I still feel like there's so much that I haven't done with this yet. There's so much that I have to do to try to keep using this and uh, I, don't know, I don't know what to tell you, Mark. I really, I cannot find a downside to this. I, I'm coming from, and I, I want to touch on something that you mentioned, okay? Um, sort of like cutting the cord. And this is something I think people don't realize. The main barrier to, to trying something new If it's better, better spec. The main barrier to trying something new is that it's unfamiliar. Yeah. It's not price. It's not features. The main thing that stops people from adopting new technology is that they're used to something else. And when you think about it, that's basically fear-based. That's that's fear. And that's fear of the unknown. And that's what stops us from trying new things most of the time. So when people say, oh, this is so much easier, like, why don't you switch from Mac to PC, PC to Mac? It'll be easier, more fun. It doesn't matter. One could be easy hard. If you're not familiar with it, that's what stops people from doing it. But like you said, if you look at it more pragmatically and say, look, I'm just going to cut the cord now. I know I can download. I know I can have access to my old stuff. I just have to figure out how to get it onto here. Once you do Once that fear is gone, you can just sort of dive in. Isn't it well worth it? Because I think fear holds people back when it comes to technology as well wouldn't you say?
3: Well, and that's why I did the cord cutting. That's why I did it really quickly, just so I can force myself into that situation. And I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. It is definitely worth it. And you know what you said? You know, you haven't scra- you know, scraped the surface, but this is the purpose of us requesting these long-term reviews, was so right. that we can be using these devices over a, a good long period of time, not just a couple weeks like they you know tri- traditionally loan us devices for, um, so we can really test out that new software. I can get into those new features, and it's something we wouldn't have been able to do if it wasn't for uh, these long-term things. So, thank you Microsoft for that. And, and we'll keep you guys updated with with the Surface and the various advancements and new accessories and stuff like that. But a very cool platform overall. I think that people would really enjoy this as a, as a, as a true option in terms of a, a laptop or, or replacement.
1: And because we're using the hardware made by the people that designed the software, we're able to experience the software, like you said, the way it was meant to be done. And I'm really, I'm really loving the combination of traditional Windows computing mixed in with tiles. I think having that combination, having both, it really is the best of both worlds. And I find that using the Surface Pro 4, I am. I am loving Windows more using yeah, this device.
3: Absolutely. I'm discovering
1: more that I love about the new Windows system. So Windows 10, glorious.
3: And look out for that uh, free update coming this summer, obviously the new version of Windows 10. Uh, lots more to come on the show. It is Marco Flalo in Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles.
2: Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.
0: The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag Detroit
3: Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network.
1: And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up
0: Podcasts.